0: Welcome to the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast.
1: A sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical look back at pop culture.
0: Join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live-action TV of the 80s and 90s and ask the question...
1: Does this hold up, or did I just ruin my childhood?
0: My name is Megan.
1: And I'm Steve.
0: And you'd think after 44 times that I'd get that correct. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Um, We're still working on the intro, apparently. Um, Today... We are in the middle of our Halloween spooky cycle. So we just did the real Ghostbusters, the cartoon.
1: And now, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Which Steve is... The series. If
0: you can't tell, Steve is very excited about this. Yes. Our live action TV pick. And then after that is another Steve pick for the movie...
1: Monster Squad.
0: Monster Squad. a Cult classic from the 1980s. Yep. So we have that to look forward to. So you can find... Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV show, not the movie. We're not, we're not really going to talk about that too
1: much today. No.
0: Um, you can find that on Hulu. And you can, I think you can buy it on Amazon Prime as well. Probably. Find that. But before we get into Buffy, we have an unusual snack today.
1: Our first segment are non-sponsored snacks. Yes. And in case anyone's out there and you're listening and you hear one of these snacks that we review... It's not sponsored, but we're open. Yeah, we're open to Like, if you want to throw money our direction, (laughs) or you're pitching a snack, like, hey, we're open to it. DM us on Facebook or something. Especially if it's
0: gluten-free. Right. (laughs) Because then I can have it, too. So, today's snack, we wanted to go with the whole vampire theme, and so we're doing wax lips. I guess. A treat on Halloween, usually with fangs.
1: This was a Megan pick, and I'm not sold on it but well, we'll see
0: let me tell you Steve I
1: I don't this is the issue I don't view wax lips as a snack as much as like part of a disguise or, or part of a Halloween outfit
0: <laughs> well they're not supposed to be an outfit and they really were I'll tell you about the history because yeah, they really yeah, were meant me for snacks and they do have sugar in them so and artificial colors and flavors so 1859 is don't swallow it it's paraffin wax
1: Well, what kind of snack am I supposed to not swallow? It's supposed to
0: be like gum.
1: This is crap.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to bleep you. Nope. 1859 is the birth of the oil industry. Kerosene illumination is changing the face of America. So American petroleum floods in and gives light cheaper than a candle. Okay? 1859. Eventually, what happens is that you have this byproduct... Of kerosene distillation, and that's paraffin wax. So it comes uh, usually either um, clear mm. or white paraffin wax, and essentially, tallow candles had been used for the most part, and paraffin starts replacing things for sealing wax and even in chewing gum. It by the 1900s, Crayola crayons um, use this with paraffin and wax cylinders. Um, And in Buffalo, New York, a confectioner becomes enamored by this idea that you could have some kind of paraffin products for okay. a snack and his name is John Glenn not the astronaut
1: not the astronaut he was no relation no
0: no relation so he was born in 1888 in England um, he grew up in his father's wholesale candy business his father passed away in 1912 and basically he started producing these paraffin penny candy like gum chewing gum novelties that are just paraffin wax that you chew and then you eventually kind of spit out um, And eventually, this Glen company employs about 100 people. um, And they start to, in the 1920s and 30s, they start to make these... First, it was wax horse teeth that tasted like wintergreen. Okay. Um, They um, eventually create these... These wax lips, they also are the same company that started Nickel Nips, which we had before. The little bottles, Mm -hmm. the wax bottles with the little stuff inside um, that we had earlier. I forget. Well, you can go back and listen to that. (laughs) But um, these kind of, uh, the wax lips eventually had a huge popularity in the 60s and 70s. Okay. that they were like a novelty thing they have a bite plate on them I took a picture of Steve and I might put it on Facebook if he lets me um, they have a bite plate on them and they're a wacks and they're supposed to be kind of funny so the idea is like wear them now and then chew them up later and mm. mostly they, they grew in popularity when there was like um, you know the horror genre started to really become popular and the teeth like vampire teeth were yeah. on them and stuff like that in the 1980s, the price of paraffin went from $0.07 to $0.50 a pound Whoa. because of the oil shortage. So the product struggled, and in 1994 they closed, but basically they sold different pieces of their company off, and um, they, they sold part that sold uh, bagged cotton candy, and mm-hmm. they sold another part that had whatever, and um, these now are made. I think they're made by the same company that does Tootsie Roll. Okay, so it's kind of an interesting history that you know came from just this kind of saying, um, What else could we do with this excess of paraffin wax? Let's mix it with sugar. <laughs> yeah, uh, now I will say that there is a dentist website and they have a blog all about different types of Halloween candy on the dentist website okay. and whether or not it's like you know quote unquote good for you and they said um use the wax lips as wax lips but don't eat them which we just did right so because the wax apparently makes the sugar stick to your teeth oh so it's worse than some other candies okay for your teeth
1: so this is the i'm gonna put an air quotes snack that the oil industry put down Yeah. Because the oil industry (laughs) spiked, which means people, I'm assuming people were using paraffin wax for candles. Yeah, they were. So that made the price of the wax go up. Mm -hmm. And they were like, no, okay, we're done now. And then we'll just do Tootsie Rolls. Um, (laughs)
0: Something like that.
1: Yeah. Okay, so. So
0: I had a little bit of it. You had a little bit of it. What are your thoughts?
1: (sighs) Okay, this is not my favorite. No. Okay, it does have, I guess, a fruity tastes sort of kind of it smells a little bit like fruit loops mm-hmm. which is like a non-generic fruit and the taste is not strong and again it's wax so then you have to like you chew it but then you have you can't swat, so you have to like take it out of your mouth or spit it out or whatever yeah it's
0: supposed and to be like gum but it's not
1: yeah so i have a strict rule with snacks no swallow no score
0: that's okay, okay?
1: and so I'm giving this a one, which is the lowest, because Uh. I can't swallow it. Like, what good of a snack is it?
0: Yeah, but it's also a novelty candy, so you are supposed to... Can I have the...
1: Even a bubble gum I can swallow if I feel like it. Oh, gross.
0: You don't want to do that. You
1: you don't tell me how to eat my gum. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so I have to give it a one, because I've, I've spent my entire life without trying to eat wax lips... And I will go my entire rest of my life without doing it again. <laughs> um, and I can't swallow it. So, but because of those things, I am giving it one, All I'm right. giving it one set of fangs.
0: I'm going to give it. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to split my rating. Okay. So my official rating is also a one. This does not taste good. <laughs> so we did say we were open to sponsorship, not for this. Cause mm-hmm. we're not going to sell these. Um, yeah, the it, it it's still, I think there are still little pieces of wax on my teeth, which yeah. I don't enjoy. That there's just not enough flavor. I don't know if they could add more to it, and it was a lot harder than I thought it would be. Um, but in terms of the fun factor, I'm gonna give it like a four because this is pretty fun.
1: I also had no fun with it.
0: You don't have fun posing with the wax lips, like, no, so silly. I didn't really
1: pose as much as I put them on my mouth to see what it would be like, and you took a picture. Yeah, that's not posing. You
0: posed with them. Mm. It was so fun for you. You loved it. (laughs) You were like, "Look at me! I'm a fancy, I'm a fancy man with my wax lips."
1: No, I wasn't.
0: (laughs) Um, When I put them in the picture that I took, I'll put up on ours too, and it looks like I've had very bad plastic surgery. (laughs) So it's kind of funny. Um, So unfortunately. We rate the snack one out of five. We're doing bats today because it's vampires. And one out of five for the snack and one out of ten for the show. So, unfortunately, wax lips. One One bat out of five. What's wrong with you?
1: I I I forgot what you gave it. You gave I it gave two it a one. Scores,
0: I gave it a one. And
1: then a four for fun. <laughs> but it's a four and for fun, cares, but my official that. rating is a one. Okay, so let's do it again.
0: So. Oh, one yeah. bat yeah. out yeah. of
1: five. <laughs> yeah, not great
0: not great sorry wax lips you can pretend to be a lady with plastic surgery you can pretend to be a vampire depending on the kind you find i wanted one with fangs obviously but i couldn't find it um
1: i never had wax ones the fangs i had as a kid were the hard plastic the plastic, ones plastic that you put them in and they were your top and bottoms yeah but then they pinched the inside of your gums and cheeks yeah i had cause those they were too. like point like Sharp, hard plastic. But you
0: never had the wax mm-hmm. kind either? No. Oh, we, get, we would get those every year. Like, somebody would put them in for our little Halloween. Interesting. Ma- our little McDonald's Halloween buckets. Who
1: hated you that much?
0: Who liked me that much that was like, be a vampire, Megan.
1: Who hurt you on Halloween?
0: <laughs> you know, one time my brother did find a pin in his candy.
1: Oh, that's like urban legends. We had to
0: check through all of our candy and because of the urban legends and that so you had to look through, and our parents made us, we would dump out the candy, we would look through each piece to make sure it was wrapped still, and one year he found one with a needle stuck through it.
1: That's crazy time.
0: And it sounds like I'm making that up, but I'm not it's not like, hey, my second cousin told me that her brother No, this is like legitimately. I believe that it was from an like an older person across the street from us who like did a lot of sewing. I dro- don't think
1: unfortunately it dropped something into a candy Yeah, bag.
0: and possibly also just was giving out whatever candy she could find. That's like possible. hadn't bought, but uh but it did yeah, it did happen and it was kind of it was kind of uh a little bit spooky. And it taught
1: you guys a lesson to check your candy.
0: Yes, that's that is true. So let's get into Buffy the Vampire Slayer the show. Steve, can you give kind of an overview of what the show is about?
1: Okay. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is about Buffy Summers, who is a vampire slayer or what they just call a slayer, which is a teenage girl who, when she reaches a certain age, is imbibed with power to fight monsters and vampires. Um, so she's kind of super strong and super athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, and She works with a watcher who's an older gentleman, Giles, who kind of guides her and trains her. And then she ropes in a bunch of her friends during the series, um, and they call themselves the Scooby Gang. After Scooby-Doo. Right. Um, and they basically help her doing research and things like that. So every episode is about her basically either looking for, finding, tracking a monster, and then killing it, basically. Um, different types of monsters. And there's some long-form storytelling that takes place through the seven seasons mm-hmm. um, that it has. But for most part, it follows that formula. It's a monster hunting show, basically. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting. So, yeah, the history of this... We're going to start with, of course, Joss Whedon. Yes. This was interesting. and I did not know this until I researched it for the show, but his grandfather wrote for the Donna Reed show in the 1950s. Oh, okay. His father wrote for the Electric Company, Benson, and the Golden Girls. And his mother was a novelist and an English teacher as well.
1: So he was a legacy writer. Yeah. Which explains why he was so good. In- yeah, yeah way better than a lot of writers we have now.
0: Yeah. Um, you say that like he's deceased. He's not deceased.
1: No, I'm just saying, <laughs> but, but we're looking at a thing he wrote in the yeah, 90s. Yeah, that's
0: true. So his parents were divorced. He went to boarding school and he studied film uh, at Wesleyan. And then he moved out to California to okay. to do writing. Um, he, he worked in a video store and kind of like banged out some TV like spec scripts um, where you would... Submit a, a speculative episode for a show that was already on the air, and then they might hire you based on that script. It's not like that script is made. Mm-hmm. It's just like, here's like what I think the tone of your show is and stuff like that. And based on that, he got a job as a staff writer on Roseanne.
1: Nice. Wait a second. So I have a college degree in literature and writing. Yeah. And I worked at a video store, so I could have been Joss Whedon.
0: I mean, but then... You wouldn't have Megan,
1: right? Good call. So yep. yeah,
0: your life would be way worse. That's true. <laughs> um, also, he was born in '64, so a little bit. Um, but anyway, uh, as a staff writer and Roseanne, he called he called the experience quote baptism by radioactive waste. Wow! It was apparently not just baptism by fire, because Roseanne had some mental health issues, but also she was very notorious for being like, That's funny. that's not and like she would not cut any like she would not cut anybody slack mm-hmm. if you weren't funny, like you were out of there. gotcha um and and had like pretty fairly high standards and and kind of exacting for for things like that. so the original idea came to him. I think when he was in his video store days, he would watch these horror movies and he said, there were always bubble-headed blondes wandering into dark alleys getting murdered by some creature. <laughs> and he said, I'd love to see a movie in which a blonde wanders into a dark alley, takes care of herself, and deploys her powers. And so that is how the movie, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, was born. Okay,
1: so Joss Whedon was attached to the movie as well. Yeah, he wrote the movie. That's interesting because well, when the show hit, you know, the show is Buffy the Vampire Slater as well. It's still called Buffy Summers. It's based a little bit off her, but it's canonically not connected to the movie at all.
0: Yeah, and that is because basically he saw what they did with his script and he didn't like it. Yeah. So they changed it quite a bit and he was like, it's kind of what I had envisioned, but it wasn't quite there. Like, basically he wanted it to be a little more have a little bit more, like, the show feminist themes, a little bit darker. And they wanted it to be more, like, funny and campy and, like, it's a cheerleader fighting vampires. Ha, 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 ha. Like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um Also, the movie starred Christy Swanson and Luke Perry. R.I.P. Luke Perry. He seemed like a really nice guy. Right. Christy Swanson can't act. No. Everything I've ever seen her in, it is, like... She's reading the
1: lines. And and they made the vampire this was the issue. They, it's almost like they turned it more quirky. Yeah. And slapsticky. And they made the vampires kind of like I think Paul Rubens was a vampire. He was, movie.
0: yeah. Who and played? And they
1: made his... it very like laughable, funny. Yeah. Instead of Buffy the Vampire Slayer was not like super horror. But the the monsters and the vampires for the most part were intimidating of some sort. In the show.
0: Yeah, so basically After the movie, he did a few other things here and there. And the people who owned the rights said, we want to make this into a show. And they didn't have to approach him, but they ended up approaching him. Mm -hmm. Their original vision, which is interesting to me, is that they were going to have it be a half hour show. And kind of like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, So, again, it was going to be more for kids and more, like you were just saying, quirky and campy and kind of funny. Mm -hmm. And so they approached him and said, would you do a show? And he said, sure. And then he started developing these scripts that were much darker and made for an hour-long TV show. Um, And that's basically how how it became... Mm-hmm. The show that it is because of the you know the changes that he made. Paul Rubens, by the way, as Steve mentioned, if you don't know, um, he also played Pee Wee Herman. That's mm-hmm. what he's kind of known for. Yep. So if you and we
1: know, mentioned him in Flight of the Navigator.
0: Yes, we did because he was he was the voice in Flight of the Navigator of the ship. So um, the WB network's budget <laughs> basically wasn't great at first but eventually that became it it had better production values as they went along right and um it's supposed to be like post camp and it's sort of like other people compared it to scream like a genre piece that kind of bends the genres and it's it's self-referential. So they're calling like the Scooby gang. Right. Like they've seen the other stuff that we've seen. Yes. Right. Um, and it's like Steve said, it's a little bit horror. It's a little bit teen movie. It's a little bit fantasy. It's like, yeah. So the, it's, it's an interesting mixture of those things. And then eventually um, Joss Whedon went on to do some other things. He wrote Avengers.
1: Yep. He was part, he was in, put worked on the Avengers and end game. I don't know exactly which piece is Endgame, probably, yeah.
0: Or, yeah, and then he also worked with DC. He,
1: he did, did, yep.
0: Um, after Zack Snyder. Yeah. He did the... Um, he stepped
1: in and worked, but partially in Justice League.
0: Justice League. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, also Sarah Michelle Geller, when this came out, that when Buffy came out, I was like, that's the girl from Swan's Crossing. <laughs> Okay. There's this like teenage soap opera show that I was obsessed with, and next year we are going to be reviewing it. Okay. We're gonna be we're gonna watch *Swan's Crossing*, which launched Sarah Michelle Gellar's career. Well, no,
1: I think Buffy launched Sarah Michelle Gellar's. Career. No,
0: I mean as in the first thing that yeah, she really. That was really, her first thing. Yeah, let me, that was one of the first. As things we're in the
1: history did. and stuff, let me say one of the things that I really liked about this show, and we'll get into a bunch of stuff as we talk about the actual plots. Of the episodes we watched. But one of the things in general that I liked about this show with facts and history is this really launched or brought or put a spotlight on a lot of people. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sarah Michelle Geller, as you said, she was Swan's Crossing, which I've never heard of in my life. Right. <laughs> but Buffy the Vampire Slayer really propelled her. Okay. Yeah, it because did. she was the main star. It went seven seasons and I had a huge following. Yeah. Okay. Allison Hannigan. Mm hmm. Who hadn't really been, this was her first spotlight, and later she would go on to be in How I Met Your Mother.
0: And and the American Pie movies. The American Pie movies, movies yeah. right?
1: Um, David Boreanaz
0: mm-hmm.
1: also ended up being in a number of other things after he was in this. He got his own spin-off show with Angel.
0: And then he was in Bones.
1: He was in Bones, okay. right? So he ended up having a really good career, too. Mm-hmm. Um, James Marston, who played Spike, has been in a number of things as well. Okay, um, a lot of times it's more sci-fi fantasy stuff. Sometimes, mm-hmm. but he's been in things, and he's a—he's actually a really good actor. In some of the later episodes, Michelle Trackenberg, who plays Dawn, the sister, she ended up kind of getting propelled from this, and she was in a number of movies in like the late '90s, early 2000s.
0: Yeah, she did um, the one with the skating, the Ice Princess. Yep, she was yeah. also
1: in—is it was it European Road Trip? I don't know. Um, the there was them. she was in some like like. Teen, early twenties comedy films. Yeah, um, and she was in a, a couple of things. Anthony Head, who plays Giles, is an excellent. He's a British actor. He's excellent, and he went on. He's been in a lot of other sci-fi fantasy stuff. Mm-hmm. He was in one of the Percy Jackson movies. He was in, um, you know, obviously he was in Buffy. He was in one of. The, he was in Merlin. Mm. Um he was the in the show? Yeah, the show Merlin. He was in one of the the Percy ja- the Percy Jackson and the Sea of Monsters. Um he actually I think he replaced Pierce Brosnan's character in that.
0: Okay.
1: Um and so he was in the Canterville Ghost. He was in a number of of sci-fi and fantasy kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um which was really cool. Oh, he was a, he played bad he played a bad guy in an episode of Doctor Who with David Tennant. And he's just really good too. So you've got a you got Seth Green was in this. Right. And that kind of pushed his, his career more. Eliza Dushku
0: mm-hmm.
1: was kind of was in this and it was one of her major kind of roles. Charisma Carpenter. Charisma Carpenter. Nicholas Brendan, who played Xander, mm-hmm. I, ne- I I don't recall seeing him a lot of other stuff after this. But he was good. His character was likable. He was kind of goofy, but he was likable. And I thought he acted well, even in some, like, we're going to talk about the musical piece.
0: So the reason that you haven't seen him is because you don't watch this show anymore, but he was in Criminal Minds for, like, seven years.
1: Yeah. I, he was? He I, played, know, I watched Criminal Minds for Ke- a long time. He played
0: Kevin Lynch in Criminal Minds from 2007 to 2014 really yeah and he's done a, he's done a few other things like he did a a children of the corn movie he did some um uh looks like some some like horror stuff you know but yeah he was in criminal minds for 21 episodes it says so maybe it was just a recurring
1: mm-hmm.
0: kind of role um he did a recurring role on private practice um
1: yeah these are shows i wouldn't Yeah and
0: then he also and same thing with James um Master- Marsden um they both do some voiceovers yes as well so for video games and things like that but yeah i I, not maybe as big of a career but um certainly like a working actor
1: the thing is is that i mean these were all young actors except for obviously anthony head who was made to be an adult right to be a a father figure Mm -hmm. but these were all younger actors and actresses that were brought in and now watching buffy the vampire slayer the show there's very rarely an episode where you're not like, "Oh, I know who that is," right? Because they've now been in a much a lot of other things.
0: Yeah, I will also say too, um, you know, on the kind of darker side. Uh, apparently, the actor that we were just talking about, Nicholas Brandon, he's had um, a number of arrests and some struggles with uh, depression, and then also substances. Well, that's so, sad. so yeah, so like arrest for, like, obtaining a prescription by fraud, um, assaulting people, you know, that kind of thing. Unfortunately, and he, he talked about that on Dr. Phil and, like, how he had struggled with struggled. it. That's so that a, might be why we haven't heard of him as much. Like the kid
1: from Flight of the Navigator? Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. And thankfully he was able to overcome it. I think I think that Nicholas Brendan's kind of still going through it a little bit.
1: It's a shame because I think he's a good actor.
0: Yeah. Um, and then we have kind of, you know just to briefly mention that the controversy with Joss Whedon, that he was kind of abusive on set and that yelled at his actors and, and um, fat shamed people who were pregnant and that kind of thing. Um, I'm not laughing at the situation. Mm. <laughs> I'm laughing because they're pregnant. Right. Like, don't fashion people who are pregnant. Um, that kind of thing. And he's basically, you know, the only comments that he's made is just to say that earlier in his career that he, um, might not have been the best person to work with. Uh, So it's not really a... It's not exactly a cancel culture situation, right? right? But it's more just how are people treated in Hollywood and how how does that put stress on them and and that kind of thing.
1: Not to defend it by any means, but to kind of think of it as a different perspective, I mean, he did learn from Roseanne.
0: That's true. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Yeah, uh and that's that's kind of how his career started, right? But he's kind of he's at least admitted that yeah, he might not have been the best the best person to work for, but um the show is what the show is, a lot of people like it and when we come back, we'll talk about our memories of the show and then we'll get into our full review and recap. Come on. Alright, I'm Megan.
1: And I'm Steve.
0: And we're going to talk about Buffy.
1: Alright, you talk about your memories first.
0: Yeah, I didn't... um, You know, this show came out in 97. And I was busy in
1: 97. Oh, sorry.
0: (laughs) No, like, I think, depending on when it aired, I'm guessing it came out September 97. Because that's typically when things Mm -hmm. premiere. I would have just started college. So it just didn't um it I'm, wasn't really on my radar I'm I making guess. and i'm
1: a fancy busy lady but you <laughs>
0: well i my first year of college like i was in the dorms i was in a sorority i was i had double major i was taking mm-hmm. like 20 cra- like yeah and i was also i was editing the school newspaper and yearbook as well doing different like section editing for that and so yeah i had quite a bit going on at the time um, so it just didn't... There's a lot of stuff that started around this time that it just wasn't on my radar. And I remember it when it came out that people were like, really? Like like that horrible movie? Because the movie was not the horrible great. Was not, the
1: movie was not I good. don't
0: even think I've seen the whole movie. It's just like by reputation, mm-hmm. not a good movie. Um, and maybe sometime we'll, we'll revisit it and see if it's as bad as people said. Yeah. But... Um, I also feel... I know you're not going to like what I have to say here. I think that Sarah Michelle Gellar is beautiful. But... She reminds me a little bit of Keanu Reeves in that, like... She always has, like, almost the same expression and tone. No matter what the situation is. Like, she's happy or she's sad or whatever. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like... The movies that she's done after this, and I know she took a lot of time off to be a mom as well, because um, she and Freddie Prince Jr. have been married for quite a while now.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have two kids, they have a boy and a girl. Like,
0: she's not, obviously, the star of the Scooby-Doo movies. Mm -hmm. She's there, she's pretty, but she's not, like, Daphne's not the star.
1: Well, it's an ensemble cast. Right. Yeah.
0: But the other movie that she did, Simply Irresistible, was like, like, there's not... Anything there? It's not, you know. She was in
1: Cruel Intentions.
0: Yeah, but and she's she played not
1: kind of the bad guy, and it was was pretty well done. Yeah,
0: I guess. And and with
1: Ryan Filippi.
0: Yeah, Ryan Filippi and uh, Reese Witherspoon. But mm-hmm. like that's that's a whole other that's a whole other thing. So anyway, I didn't watch this in part because of those reasons. Okay, I did, however, watch it later on streaming. I've never seen the whole like seven seasons i'm not okay. like i wasn't it's all right yeah. i'm not super that into it there are a couple episodes to me that are particularly memorable there's one about school violence where there there might be a school shooter and she can hear people's thoughts and it's like a question of who it might be and they start kind of suspecting a number of people because that it was done maybe a year or two after columbine mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of sticks out in my memory as like, I I was glad that somebody was kind of talking about it and like, how do we figure out who it is or how do we help people? Because it wasn't a situation like I want to go after the monster. It was more like, how do we help this person and and keep them from, from doing what they're going to do? Right. Um, and, and then it has a little bit of a twist to it. But anyway, I, I did enjoy the seasons that I watched. So. It's okay, but I didn't, like... I'm not a huge Buffy fan, but I'm also not... I'm not the demographic, right? Right. Like, I was a little bit too old for the teen demographic, and I'm not a male, so... What were your memories of it? Okay. (laughs) Okay. Let's get into it.
1: I watched this show Mm -hmm. from the time it came out. I went through all seven seasons... The first five were on the WB, which is now the CW. Right. The last two were on UPN. Mm -hmm. Did not matter. I switched with Buffy. Um, (laughs) I remember watching the first episode um, of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And it had Sarah Michelle Gellar in it, who I'd never seen before. And I fell absolutely in love. Not like that. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Um, I I am not someone who gets starstruck. But I was starstruck by Sarah Michelle Geller. She was a huge, I had a huge, huge crush on Sarah Michelle Geller until season three of Buffy the Vampire Slayer when Faith the Dark Slayer was introduced. That's Eliza Dushku? While I was in love with Sarah Michelle Geller, Eliza Dushku had the raspy voice and a bit of dark edginess and danger to her. And I was like, oh, yeah, Buffy's nice. That's sweet. Give me some of that faith. Um, but, so I had two major Hollywood crushes from the same show. That's funny. Um, and, sorry Sarah Michelle Geller, if you're listening. Um,
0: <laughs> she subscribes.
1: <laughs> you subscribed. Um, but yeah, so it was, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, I just, I liked, I fell in love with her. I fell in love with the show. Um, I followed it. I really, I thought it was... There's a lot of highlights to this. and it's interesting because watching the episodes we watched for this podcast, I haven't seen it in a while, right? Mm-hmm. And we watched it and it's like it's like when you read a book and you've read like a whole series of books, right? Mm-hmm. And then you go back to read it again and you're like, oh, the characters seem so young because I know what's going to happen. Right. Right? And they seem so young and innocent. It was like that for me because I know the finale of the show after seven seasons, right? Mm-hmm. I know where people end up, who doesn't make it, who does but is injured, right? I know all this stuff. And so seeing them, like, in their in season four, mm-hmm. right, where they're much younger and mu- and a lot of stuff hasn't happened to them yet it was really interesting And kind of nostalgic as well. Um, And it just, it was really kind of cool in that way. Um, You know, we did see, we'll get into this in in, in a moment, but, you know, the first three seasons were in high school for Buffy. Right. And then she went to college in season four. um, And then she, through that process, she actually moves up into by the last couple seasons, she's an adult pretty much with most of her gang. um, And Giles leaves because she no longer really needs a watcher Mm -hmm. and she's kind of watching younger people Mm -hmm. and so it was there was growth on the character's parts okay right and so i thought that was interesting as well
0: yeah the the first seasons too from what i can recall because we watched so we watched one episode from season four and then we watched one from season six Right? I wish that we had watched one from season one, I think. That would have been interesting. That would have been interesting. That's not how the dice played out mm. for us. But it was like... I remember that they, they were... Sarah Michelle Geller looks the same now as she did when she was like 14 or 15. Like she has that same face. Right. Right? But the other people... Um, Allison Hannigan... And uh, Brendan, who who played Xander, mm-hmm. and um, I guess maybe not Charisma Carpenter, because she was beautiful too. But the two of them and Seth Green, like, they're very awkward. Yeah. And you buy them as very awkward teenagers mm-hmm. to a certain extent. So by the time we came to season four, um, Xander's kind of, like, coming out of that awkward stage. Willow's still kind of in it somewhat. Mm-hmm. And then by season six, Willow's with Tara. Xander is with... Um, Anya, Anya right yep. and they and they I was like oh Xander has like his man body like he's got yeah. like more muscles more fat like mm-hmm. and um and and Willow's starting to grow her hair out yeah. things like that so it was kind of interesting you're right even in that those two episodes just to see that kind of mm-hmm. snapshot of how they changed and developed
1: so and I, it's also interesting right before we jump in though it's the other last interesting piece that we see that I want to point out when we talk about character growth, is that the character of Spike, who spends the first three seasons as the bad guy, he's like the big bad Mm -hmm. for the first three seasons of this show, right? We then see him transition, and you see probably the largest character arc of anyone in this show, as by the end he ends up as a good guy who's actually sacrificing. Right, so it's a huge character arc. Again, when you when you see it, if I flick to a season two and start watching it, and Spike is e- like this evil monster, and I'm going, well, I know what he does at the end. Like right. this is a really different. It's almost like acting like a completely different person for James Marsden. Yeah, and I can't think of a lot of I can't think of a lot of shows that do that huge of a character arc for a villain that's that bad, and then ends up almost. I mean, doing like the greatest sacrifice you See, your but
0: to me do you did you did you like that arc because to me it's like they're adults and we're running our storylines. so let's make him a good guy let's get rid of giles let's bring in young people I, like we talk almost like with the real ghostbusters like the junior ghostbusters are yeah. on the scene you know what i mean I,
1: I did and i'll tell you why okay because it actually did something to me right in a way of this and let me explain of course, the whole first few seasons, the first three seasons, right? Buffy is in love with Angel, and it's Angel is the vampire with a soul, and he's romantic, and he's dark and brooding, right? Spike is the bad guy who hates both of them and just wants to kill her, um, and all this not stuff, right? So the whole time, even after Angel leaves and gets his own show, occasionally they still get back together in each other's shows, mm-hmm. and you have this romance, right? Then, as we go through the season, like around season five, six-ish, right, you have this piece where Buffy and Spike start kind of a weird relationship, almost like a casual—they're
0: like friends, with hooking benefits. up kind of thing, yeah. yeah, right.
1: But then you see as it progresses that Spike actually has feelings for her, mm. and by the end in the very last season, they tried to bring Angel back, mm-hmm. and just like many other people probably watching it, I myself find myself... And I'm a big fan of David Boreanaz. Mm-hmm. I found myself being like, get out of here, angel. <laughs> like, you're interfering. <laughs> like, we've got something going on here that I'm invested yeah. in. And I think that... it's You can even try to change the arc of a villain, but to actually get people invested in it i think is really well done
0: that's true and i i guess you're right that they did it over a long period of time they did it's not like um oh what's that once upon a time where like one season the heroes would be villains yeah and two episodes later they'd be back yeah. to heroes and you're like, like that's so fine monstrous. but you didn't earn it yeah exactly that's true so let's get into the episodes we watched the first one is season four episode 14 goodbye iowa so just to give kind of a brief overview of the episode uh they're in college they there is a group called the initiative the initiative and they're kind of like a government group and buffy is sort of working with them and the episode opens up where somebody from the initiative named maggie has been killed um they don't know who's done it and Buffy is kind of a suspect, but it turns out to be like a Frankenstein type of monster that this, a Frankenstein's monster type of monster that Maggie created. Right. So it's part machine, part soldier, part, um, monster. part vampire, and she's kind of hobbled this thing together and she's also been giving some kind of drugs to the actual soldiers who are part of the initiative. Right. And now that she's gone, they're starting to get sick. Yeah. So that's kind of the setup. Um, Willow and Tara are friends, and they're starting to do magic, and so Willow's kind of become a witch.
1: A little bit, yeah. Little she's bit. interested, and she's starting to try to do magic a little bit.
0: Right. And um, and then we have Riley, who is Buffy's love interest at this point.
1: Yes. Yep.
0: So, the Vulgara. Yep, the Vulgara or the Vulgara?
1: Vulgara. Yep.
0: Okay, so the Vulgara, and sh- she's told them not. They they show up previously on. She's told them not to damage the arms of the Vulgara because mm. they have like spikes that come out. Yep. Of their arms, which is kind of interesting. Um, so.
1: So we pick up.
0: So that's kind of where we pick up, which was interesting to me because, as I said, I really only watched the first few seasons of this. And I, as you said, Steve, at that point, it was before some of the long-form storytelling. Right. So now we're in, like, we came in, you guys, really in the middle of a story.
1: Yeah, this was episode 14 of the season. So you're really in the middle of the season.
0: Yeah, and in the middle of a story as well. So it is finding this Adam Frankenstein's monster type of guy. But it's also part of this longer plot arc about the initiative and the fact that there's other people hunting vampires and monsters and not just slayers.
1: Yes, yep.
0: So that was kind of interesting to me. Um Riley is like it in my notes in my notes I have Riley is a generic Ken doll.
1: <laughs> yes, he really was. He's I'm gonna like be a honest. Nobody. This is what happened, okay? They they got rid of Angel because mm-hmm. Steve Boras went on to Star in Angel. Angel, the show, yeah. right? The spinoff, and took Charisma Carpenter with him, who mm-hmm. went into went went over that show as well. And so when they switched from high school to college, they needed a new love interest. They brought Riley in, who was sort of like a plain white bread kind Ugh. of, you he know. He
0: is so generic. He is he's like. There's a joke of on Saturday Night Live about Hallmark movies, and it's yeah. like the Chris Berenstein of.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think what happened was they brought him in. Yeah. And because Buffy keeps saying like I don't want like she just had this long relationship with this vampire mm-hmm. so she's like I don't I just want normal. So she gets this normal dude and then I think nobody likes that. So they're over- like, "Well, he's part of an underground like army yeah. to try to make him" and he just doesn't look like these dangerous. No, he doesn't. He looks like He's like Opie oh, from next door.
0: He's an overcorrection.
1: Yeah, definitely. that's that's, an, that's, that's when, a good statement. That's
0: when you date somebody and you're like, oh, they're too passionate, and so then you date somebody else and they like, you know, they have the personality of like a hairbrush, yeah. like that yeah. kind of thing. That's where we are right now.
1: So we open up where the initiative, this Doctor Maggie has been killed by Adam, this mm-hmm. Frankenstein's monster, and they're sort of blaming Buffy for it.
0: Well, they're not sure at first. And first, yes, they're. So Riley comes to warn them and he sees Spike there with the whole gang.
1: Yes. Uh, that's also something. Spike is part of the gang now.
0: But he's also Hostile 17. Right. And they've been looking for him. Yeah. So he had some kind of a chip installed to yeah. correct his behavior yeah, or what, to keep him from killing. What
1: they found out was the initiative not only kill demons, but they experiment on them. So they had captured Spike and put a chip in his head that doesn't allow him to hurt people.
0: Right. Also, okay, I like Alison Hannigan and other things. Mm -hmm. I don't know, and I think, if if I'm thinking correctly, she did not do this in the second episode we watched, down the line, but she talks like a child. Like, her vocal tones are like, gosh, guys... Where are we gonna go? Well, like, what? they had no? just
1: I mean, this was the first season they transitioned to college, oh right? Oh my gosh. And she was she had always been kind of the goody two shoes of the group. Yeah. And as we saw when we looked at season six, there was growth there. Yeah, developing It developed was a her into a more too. mature person. But here it's not. It's just
0: yet. it was just like I put like Willow is just like too innocent though. Like you've you've been fighting vampires for four years. You're not gonna be a little bit less like golly gee willikers, you know? Right. Um. So, be, when they look at the, they finally find, and uh, we also have though a few like. Sometimes they just talk fast, and that's not the same as being funny. It's the, like the same issue I have with the Gilmore Girls. Mm. Just because you talk faster does not mean you're being funny. But they do have some, like, funny little verbal quips in there.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: she's like, well, I would go out and try to kill the monsters for you, but right now I'm in my yummy sushi pajamas. Right. <laughs> Which just did make me laugh, because I was like, she is in yummy sushi pajamas. Um, but they find the body of Maggie Professor, Professor Walsh, um, and she's been staked. And because she's been staked, that's why they suspect Buffy. Okay. Right. Um, so the gang decides to hide and where do they pick to hide, Steve?
1: They they choose to hide in Xander's basement. Which yeah. he lives in his mom's basement. Yeah. Um, with his girlfriend, um Anya. Anya right now, right? And so it's kinda like his college apartment is his mom's basement so the hilarious part of this is not just them because i mean a lot of times you have kids or college kids in the basement but it's giles the english gentleman who's hiding in this basement and it's like obviously a bachelor pad right
0: yeah and that is actually the funny part and then they show them and they're all giles is on the couch and the rest of them are all like in one bed yeah um, which was kind of funny um and then we have my favorite part of the episode, which is Willie, the bartender who talks like it's the 1940s. Hey, buddy, let me get you a drink over here. Okay, yeah. do you want a whiskey? With <laughs> like, Oh, my goodness. You know, one so of the funny. pieces
1: I like that happens right before she ends up at Willie's bar is she goes to the crime scene. Yeah. So there's an investigation keep component to this. Mm-hmm. It's not just like she's tripping into things.
0: Right, and then she goes to the bar because she's trying right. to find clues, so right. you're right. And
1: yeah. it's a crime scene because, and we didn't mention this, but one of the darker aspects of this episode is that Adam, who's the escape monster, kills a kid
0: Right, but it's because, It's
1: off-screen, but it does happen.
0: No, but it happens exactly the way that Frankenstein happens. Right. And it's shot for shot like a like the original 1930s Frankenstein movie with
1: the kid with the with the the teeter totter. That the, the kid the, the... the kid
0: comes up and the kids like picking flowers or something and Frankenstein's monster asks like what am I or it doesn't understand what's going on at that point. Right. And in the book as well murders the child. Yeah. Later on, when it has a little bit more like sentience, it realizes what it's done and then it's very remorseful. Um, but in the in the 30s movie, it's set up exactly the same way of coming upon the child, having a conversation, and then off it it it, basically this guy Adam asks this kid, um, what am I? And the kid says, You're a monster, and he says, What are you? And the kid says, I'm a boy. Mm. Right, and then he kills him because he's a monster.
1: He kills him and mutilates him. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of dark. It's mentioned, of course. They're not, especially because this is t- network TV at the time, right. right? Yeah. But even the even the concept of killing a child, I thought was dark.
0: Yeah, it was. But I think it's specifically because it was supposed to be like
1: Frankenstein, Frankenstein monster. But yeah, yeah
0: but um, then we also have um, we cut away and Willow and. Um, Tara are doing some spells.
1: Yeah, they're doing a spell.
0: Willow, at this point, like you said, there's some growth, but she's in this weird in-between point, so she... And she's not with Tara yet, so she's kind of flirting, but not really. And she's trying to be witchy, but also innocent. It didn't work for me.
1: Yeah, well, Willow had spent most of her character arc, you know, as like the weird, goofy, innocent girl. Yeah. Then there was like some will they, won't they with Xander with her, and then she met Seth Green, right, and dated him, and he was like the musician, right, and ended up being a werewolf, right. But he was
0: also weird and now she's like
1: gone to college, and she's like, I think maybe I'm gay. Yeah. And so now this is where she's at with Tara.
0: But, yeah, but my point, at the way that she's acting, the actress's choices, or the director's choices, for, because, like I said, I like Alison Hannigan a lot. I yeah. like her in other things. I think she's great in How I Met Your Mother. But they're calling Thespia, who I looked up. Thespia, they're like, the goddess of the night. And I'm like, no, she was... A naiad, daughter of a river god.
1: (laughs) (coughs) So not even really a god.
0: No, and and then they're like, the spell didn't work. And I'm like, yeah, probably because Thesby is not who you're saying. But it's just a name to throw in there. Also, you're not
1: great witches. And also, the spell was supposed to locate like a monster by breed. Yeah. And Adam's made of like nine different things. Which
0: is really why the spell doesn't work. Yeah, Um, So... (laughs) So then we have, um, we cut to Buffy and Xander and they're breaking into.
1: No, we left off at Willie's bar.
0: So we have a scene at Willie's bar. The boyfriend comes in and finally he has some personality. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's because he's sick.
1: Yeah, and he almost shoots an old lady.
0: Yeah, he almost shoots an old lady and then later on he roughs up Buffy a little bit.
1: Oh, and she grabs the bartender kind of punches him so that people are like oh he's not snitching and then she says spell it out for me i feel an attack of dumb blonde coming on yeah which is an interesting like you said kind of quips here and there
0: yeah they have little things like this like later when they're in they're in the warehouse and they're looking they're at the initiatives mm-hmm. location and Buffy and Xander are going through and he's like, oh, wow, this place is amazing. And she's like, yeah. And he goes, oh, I get it. Can I have sex with Riley, too, now? Which was a weird comment to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, But his point was like, if I sleep with that guy, can I be part of this? So essentially she finds out that Maggie wanted her dead. Right. And this is Project 314 that escaped. Um, and he then is there at the ashby
1: Yeah, he breaks into the headquarters and basically kicks their butt.
0: And he puts in these these little 3 by 5 floppy disks yes. into himself. And he says, I wanted to learn more about me, so I came home. And he starts basically repeating whatever the information is that's in this disk. Because right. he is part computer robot, part... Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's part demon man and machine taught to think and feel. He um but then he says that the soldiers like Riley were fed chemicals that they're brothers Mm -hmm. basically and he's like I don't I'm not your brother and Buffy looks at him like now she's not sure who this guy is. Right. Um but he's the one that staked the doctor. They have an epic fight.
1: He kills another scientist and then stabs Riley.
0: Yeah. And then Buffy's thrown across the room. She tries to help her boyfriend and that's Adam escapes. Adam escapes, and that's where we end the episode. Well, we end the episode with Spike being thrown out of the bar,
1: right? Because <laughs> he, he gets beat up by demons because he can't fight anybody anymore,
0: right? Um, and that's the little tag, just kind of wrapping up where Spike is because he's in this weird spot that he doesn't fit in with them, but he also well, doesn't quite fit in with he's, the humans. He's yet.
1: almost at this point. I mean, he's almost like he's almost like an attack dog that's been leashed.
0: Mm. yeah right? that's he a good can't, way to put
1: it he's you know and so um yeah it's pretty that, that's a weird spot for him to be in but it's this actually sets up kind of his turn a little bit so i put as my last thing for this episode i forgot how stupid buffy is when it comes to men
0: well that's the whole thing yeah
1: and i was like riley come on <laughs> we can't um so then we jumped yeah, We jumped to Season 6, Episode 7, and we chose this specifically, Once More with Feeling, because it's the musical episode.
0: Yes. Now, here's the thing, um, to give some background, because again, it's some long-form mm-hmm. storytelling. Basically, Buffy died. Yes. They did a ritual to bring her back. Yeah. When they did that, they ripped her out of heaven. Right. They didn't really know that that's what they were doing. They thought that they were saving her, but really, she was ripped out of heaven. In the meantime, Xander and Anya are now planning on getting married. Yep. Willow is with Tara, but she's becoming darker. She's getting addicted to magic. Yeah. And she just had put a spell on Tara to make her forget a fight that they had. Yeah. So, when we open here...
1: Oh, and Dawn, the little sister who's here now... Yes. ...is a klepto.
0: Oh, that's right.
1: And keep stealing stuff. And keep
0: stealing stuff. So the the thing is that basically, kind of the premise of the episode, besides the singing and dancing, mm-hmm. the premise of the episode is really that everybody right now has a secret and they don't want everybody else to know. Yeah, that
1: they're, they're hiding from people. Xander and, and Spike Anya, is in love with Buffy.
0: But Spike's in love with Buffy, but she doesn't know. They don't know that she kind of wishes she was back in heaven and now she's afraid she won't be able to go back. Yeah. Um, Xander and Anya are both worried about getting married. Dawn's a klepto. Yeah. (laughs) And Giles is just trying to hold everybody together. Right. Basically. So all of these secrets are kind of going on in the air, um, or unspoken rather. And then, um, we get into the first song.
1: Yeah. So we're in, we get, we, and also they have an intro that's old school, almost like Bewitched.
0: Yes, that's true.
1: But the first song is Buffy sings Going Through the Motions as she kills vampires in the cemetery. Yes. It's a great song.
0: It's a great song, and it was hilarious.
1: And the the, the vampires and the demons in the cemetery she's killing do a dance number as she's killing yeah. them, too.
0: And then she cuts free this hot guy, and he's like, can, how can I ever? And she's like, whatever. Yeah. And she just walks
1: away. And the point being, it's supposed to be showing how because she was like in this perfect place and got ripped out, yeah. being here is almost like hell. And so she's just like, nothing means anything to her. So she, it's just like, she's kind of on autopilot.
0: Yeah. And also it's kind of a nod as well by season six, the middle of season six, that this is old hat for the audience too. Okay. Buffy's killing more vampires. Like let's mix it up. So then we cut to, they're all hanging out in the magic shop and kind of bored and Buffy goes, Hey, um anything different been going on and they're all like no no and she goes so did any of you find yourselves bursting into song and dance
1: and they're all like yeah yeah which is hilarious they're because like, that at happened to po- you? it's at this point very early in the show you realize that they're aware of yeah. the mu- most <laughs> yes. musicals don't acknowledge that that happened and that's
0: the thing that made me really laugh because I did not I did not remember this episode i just remembered the idea of the episode mm. and i didn't know that they knew that they were singing and dancing so when she acknowledges that and they're all like that happened to you too oh my goodness yeah we were doing that this morning at breakfast i was dying mm. i was dying it was really really funny because you you're right they could have done one where they didn't acknowledge it at all you know yeah then they sing this second th- song called i've got a Theory."
1: Right, because they're like, well, something must be behind it, a demon or something.
0: And Giles has kind of the best theory that it's like a singing, dancing demon, which to me was interesting because there are these like old stories of like dance attacks, like where people would just start dancing Mm. until they dropped, um, until they passed out or they fainted. And, um, and, It was at the time. It was at the time put down to like witchcraft or demon possession. It was probably hysteria Mm -hmm. um, or mania, really. But I thought that was funny. But then, really, the funniest part is Anya, who's like, "I've got a theory." And they all turn to her, and she sings her verse, and it's all about bunnies. It's about
1: bunnies because Anya's a vengeance demon, and they found out at one point the only thing she's scared of is rabbits.
0: And she's like, "And what's with all the carrots?" (laughs) Yeah. But what's hilarious is that they're doing this. It, it is really, truly like, it's like a musical number from rent where people are all singing different strains of their right. song. And then at times they come together and they're coming together. And then the song shifts to be like anything we face, we can face together.
1: Mm.
0: But Anya's am just still, still worried about the bodies. Yes. <laughs> and so it's just, it's kind of funny. Um,
1: Then they look out, they go, go, is it just us? And Buffy looks out, and the whole town is singing.
0: Yes, and they, and this guy's like, they got the mustard out, and he's singing about the dry cleaners across the street, and it's a whole scene in the street, straight out of like, Oklahoma, where they're all like, singing and dancing in unison, and oh, it's just so funny. Um, so they're trying to figure all this out, and... Dawn comes in, and she's like, you'll never believe what happened at school. And they're like, were people singing and dancing? And she's like, yeah, I sing a song about math? Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had seen that. Yeah. I wish that they had put that in there. because yeah, it was
1: funny. And then Willow and Tara go back to the house to look for books, which is code for we want to, like, make out. Yeah. And they get there, and they sing a love ballad.
0: Yeah, they go to the... I'm
1: Under Your Spell.
0: They go through the park... To their house. So they have a love duet, uh, as Steve said, a love ballad together. And (laughs) my favorite line from this song is, I'm going to spread out beneath my willow tree.
1: Yeah, that Tara says.
0: And then there's implied...
1: We're going to have to bleep you. You're graphic now.
0: There's implied sexual activity. Activities were going on during the song. I thought
1: that was a dance number.
0: No, it was not a dance number. Um, And then we cut back to the shop and dawn says oh that's romantic and they're all like no it's not
1: we see a random guy dance to death yes so now we know that there's that that there's negative effects to the dancing he
0: tap dances until he spontaneously combusts yes um and and then we, um, it, it, you know, I will say this, it was a little bit choppy, but it's trying to do a number of different genres of musical yeah. style. So it wasn't all big Broadway numbers. And it's merging
1: a lot of musical numbers into one episode. Yeah,
0: it was because we cut then to the next day um, after the Tamp Dancing Man was at night. Now we have Xander and Anya and um, I'll Never Tell.
1: Yeah, they sing "I'll Never Tell," which is them waking up in the morning, mm-hmm. and it's about how they love one another, but they each have a secret, and it's that they're scared of marriage coming up.
0: Yeah, and also that there are things that annoy them about the other right, person. right. It's
1: your basic like romantic humble comedy kind right. of thing.
0: Right, and Anya's like, "That's the man I plan to entangle."
1: Yeah, and you know what I noticed here, and I want to mention it because you mentioned this earlier in our facts, right? Which mm-hmm. is in the old in the higher up seasons the later seasons you were like oh xander's got his man body right and he does here but they dress him in goofy clothes to try to cover the fact that he's yeah puffed out a little bit yeah because they're still trying to use him as like comedy relief a little bit yeah
0: and here they're in silky pajamas
1: (laughs) yeah but even later when it shows the group going like through the street he's in like a weird hawaiian shirt and like weird pants yeah that they're they're just they're Trying to kind, of, and they're very baggy to kind mm-hmm. of cover his. Yeah, the silk pajamas know. are too. Yeah,
0: but it's just interesting because, you know, I'm sure he likely played a teenager in his 20s, but now he's in his like probably later 20s. I'm yeah. guessing, maybe even 30, and you're thicker at that point, right? <laughs> like that's just that's just how life goes. But
1: also, they had to keep that allure because part of the comedy of that couple mm-hmm. is that he was the geeky twerp and she's kind of a smoke show yeah like she's got a real nice body on her for for a demon of course right but she's supposed to be like sort of way out of his league
0: yeah which is always the trope on every tv show and it's it annoys me but that's okay
1: well this was done before big bang theory (laughs) that's true um so buffy checks in with spike she kind of drops in on spike to see if he has any info because being a vampire spike still has like the underground info mm-hmm. um and spike and she, and spikes like besides all the dancing and she's like oh you know that too and he's like yeah but I seem to be immune and then he goes directly into a song yeah <laughs> and he sings let me rest in peace
0: yeah so I just did the math Xander when the show started was 26.
1: So he's like 33. So he's point. like 32. Well, no, 33. 30, 32. Sarah maybe.
0: Michelle Geller was 20 when the show started. And Allison Hannigan would have been 74. So, hang on. 23 when
1: 23 it started. 23
0: when it started, which is interesting because she played. Well, she always
1: so plays she's young. She's 29, yeah. Yeah. But because, so she's told. She's four years older than, 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 yeah. than Sarah did she Michelle Geller.
0: Did she do American Pie after this?
1: I think the first one might have been during. During. Yeah, but she had she been plays, in the already. She
0: plays young and innocent in that, too. I mean, yeah. they're 18, supposedly, but...
1: Sarah Michelle Geller I knew because she's five months older than me. She yeah. was born the same year as I was.
0: Um, that also, I, I have a thing about, like, I, when they they cast people in their 20s to play people in their teens, and on the one hand, they can do more, because like if they were really 14, 15, like high school softwares are, mm-hmm. you can't have certain storylines with sex or violence or drug use, whatever, right? right? And also there would be rules about filming and how many hours you can do and stuff. But at the same time, I also think this is one of the things that does put pressure on kids because they think that they should look a certain way or act a certain way. And, like, 15-year-olds don't look like that. Like, Mm -hmm. they're they're 20s, you know? (laughs) Same thing with, like, Beverly Hills. What was your
1: thought of Let Me Rest in Peace with Spike? Um, I thought he had a really good voice. I was gonna say that. James Marsden could could actually sing really well. Yeah,
0: and I also thought it was cool that they had these different genres because his song is more like a rock
1: It's like a rock ballad.
0: Yeah, and the one between Willow and Tara was more like a ballad ballad and um like more like a soft Mhm. Soft rock, and pop.
1: the one and the one and, between the couple was more like a it was like a Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers yes,
0: kind of thing. Yes, where they were doing tap dancing yeah. together and stuff. So I thought it was kind of cool. We then um, come to with Dawn, okay. Then we this is my favorite piece of the whole the whole show. Dawn goes. Does anybody even notice?
1: And she gets kidnapped. Yes. <laughs> <She started singing. laughs>
0: Does anybody even notice? Does anybody even care? And in the middle of saying care, she gets kidnapped. And it was hysterical. Because you're just expecting another musical number. This time, like, the sad solo piece. And, oh, my goodness, it did make me laugh. The tap-dancing demon uh, does this number called Dance A While. And it's a lot more jazzy.
1: Yes. And so she gets, we actually, she Dawn meets the demon first. Yes. And apparently he mentioned that she summoned him, but we don't know how. Yeah. Um, the demon's interesting because the makeup job's not bad. And I really thought it was it cool that they put him in like a zoot suit.
0: Yeah, because he's like because a Because he's a musical, yeah. jazzy,
1: entertainment and, guy. Um,
0: and you're right that you really... Other than the guy who exploded from tap dancing, mostly nothing bad has happened. Right. But these guys are the the masks that they have on the his like demon helpers are weird.
1: They look like ventriloquist dummies.
0: Yeah, they do. yeah. Um, it's creepy in, in kind of a good way. So um, he wants her to dance a while and be his queen and then we have this thing where Giles is singing something. Tara is singing something because Giles is basically kind of worried that they're all growing up and moving past and and he wants to keep the group together. Tara realizes that Willow erased her memory. Yeah,
1: Giles sings Giles is training with Buffy right. and he sings standing in the way because his fear he doesn't realize what's wrong with Buffy but he knows something's wrong mm-hmm. and he feels that being having always been her teacher that now she's relying on him to do stuff instead of taking the reins herself. Mm. So he thinks like he's being a crutch to her. Yeah. Which he kind of is, and it's actually not long after this episode that Giles leaves.
0: Yeah, and then um, <laughs> they have my other favorite line where they go, Buffy, Dawn's in trouble. And she goes, Dawn's in trouble? Must be Tuesday.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I put that down too. <laughs> I put that.
0: And I'm guessing this show air on Tuesday?
1: Like yeah. isn't that part of the joke? Yeah, it was. Yeah, the first yeah. two seasons were Mondays, like a, and then it was Tuesday's the whole a rest little of
0: the meta, show. a little meta joke there.. Yep. um, and then Buffy and Spike duet, I will walk through fire. yeah, I will walk through, through the, the fire, fire is a which great was a song. really good song. Mm-hmm. And then she does this dance in front of the demon, and I put, and this is a term I learned from Glee. There's a lot of haography going on. Meaning, instead of just choreography, she is dancing, but she's whipping her hair all over the yeah. place. There's a lot of, like, movement with the hair. Yeah, She's not as good of a dancer as the girl who plays Dawn.
1: Michelle Trackenberg, I was going to say that. When she dances with the demon earlier, yeah. she's got some dancing chops. Yeah. she does, There's some ballet in there. Yeah, I, And she's got... At one point, she swings her hips, and I was like, whoa! I was like, Sarah nicely Mich- done. Sarah
0: Michelle Geller moves a little bit, like, very clipped. Yeah. And, and she learned the choreography, and I guess she kind of learned it in a certain way because that's the character. So mm-hmm. I don't know if she can dance better right. than is here. But this but,
1: screams that Michelle Trackenberg has dance back. Yeah,
0: now. she definitely yeah. does. Oh, she definitely yeah. does. And I will say, too, Sarah Michelle Geller and the girl who plays Tara, they both have nice voices as well. Yes. Pretty nice voices. So it, that was kind of cool, too, to see different people, um, you know... Branching out and stuff like that. So the demon is like, "Well, now that all your oh." So the demon says that Dawn summoned him with because she has the necklace.
1: Yeah, the song that, that Sarah Michelle that Buffy dances to is "Give Me Something to Sing About," yes. which is a really good song too. And it's it goes from like slow ballad to like and it like upbeats. It's kind of an interesting song.
0: Yep, and we find out that basically Dawn stole this necklace from the shop. And that Xander was the one who accidentally summoned this demon because he wanted to have fun and dancing at the wedding. He
1: thought singing and dancing would be good for everybody to blow off steam.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And the demon says, well, he doesn't want Xander to come to his kingdom with him.
1: Yeah, Xander goes, do I have to be your wife now?
0: Yeah. And the demon's like, hard pass he's
1: like i'll let you off on that one this <laughs> yeah time.
0: but he's basically like well now that all your because se- buffy during her song so every time there's a song we should have mentioned every time that there's a song secrets somehow get revealed right so like xander and anya's duet is they're they're worried about the wedding and they're worried about getting married and so some of their secrets of i'll never tell do come out um and then Tara finds out that Willow lied to her basically by something that Dawn said. Right. But then her revelation is in a song. And then here, Buffy's like, I was ripped out of heaven and now I'll have to go into hell. And yeah. so now they kind of realize what she's been dealing with.
1: And and they realize, like, you can see it in Willow's... Uh, uh, Allison Hannigan does a phenomenal job here. When you talk about acting without dialogue, mm-hmm. because her face just looks... Stricken. It looks stricken because they... Re- well, she did the spell. Right. right But she realizes that they were, A, trying to help Buffy, but B, helping themselves because yeah, they needed selfish. a champion. Yeah. And they ripped her out of heaven. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So they really did this to her. um But it's interesting. The only two songs that it seems like secrets aren't conveyed are when Spike is singing about how he loves Buffy... And when Giles is saying that he's standing in Buffy's way, both times Buffy's like, what, did you say something? But it becomes apparent she's, I think she's trying to ignore them.
0: Yeah. Because everyone else understands
1: what's happening. It's
0: pretty clear that she, in both times, that's a good observation. And both times I think she did hear, and she's like, I'm not dealing with that at the moment. Um, Especially Spike's feelings like, no, no. That's not going to happen at this point.
1: So they all end in a mat a in a huge ballad of the whole group singing the song "Where Do We Go From Here?"
0: And the demon goes, "Now that all your secrets are out, I can leave," and just disappears he into just, a world He with just pieces smoke. out. Yeah. So there is no monster killing in this episode. And then after he leaves. Uh, the, Spike starts singing with them, and then he's like, no. And he goes.
1: He's like, I'm out. And
0: then Buffy follows him, and they kind of have a chat, but they, nothing's really resolved. So it is interesting.
1: Uh, it ends with her grabbing him and going into a tonguey kiss. Yeah. Like, she really goes into it. Well, it's
0: supposed to be, like, and then they end it like an old-time movie. Right. Which is how a lot of those would end. But it's clear, like... This is more the setup, and it's going to be the impetus for the rest of the season.
1: That's why I liked this. Most musical episodes, when when it, to me, when a show has a musical episode, right, mm-hmm. it's usually a standalone. Yeah. This really brings a lot of secrets out that have been boiling through this season, and also like ignites a lot of plot.
0: Yeah, and to me, it was interesting because, you know, I don't think I've ever seen season six. Okay so because i thought the whole thing of her dying i heard about it and i was like that sounds dumb um so i don't think i've ever seen it and to me you get a lot of the information from this episode and you're right it's not it's not wasted yeah it's not wasted so those were the two episodes that we watched pretty interesting
1: watch them if you haven't before i tell you the other thing is too there wasn't a bad song in that episode there's no, not there a wasn't. song i disliked
0: no there really wasn't and nothing also got stuck in my head to an annoying degree either <laughs> which is nice um i really like the walking through fire song that yeah. the two of them did i thought that was really really fun so um how was buffy the vampire slayer the tv show received at the time that it so came
1: out? it was actually received really well um
0: yeah, this is one of those rare things, if I'm recalling correctly, that was it was like a fan with critics and yeah. viewers. I
1: mean, ratings wise, it it in it, its highest rating, it rated about 120 viewership rank. Now that was because it was that CW. was about 5.1 million.
0: But it would have been which not- is
1: good for the C, which for the WB, right? That was not WB. a major network at the time, right? right. Um, and so it really did do pretty well. Um, you know, it had 144 episodes. It
0: was kind of a flagship show for them, right?
1: Really was. I mean, they spread off Angel from there, and there was a number of other. It, it also there and was a dollhouse,
0: of, which was Liza Dushku, not a not a sequel or anything, but also that was a Joss Whedon too.
1: Yeah, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah. but it also um, there was a lot of like Buffy verse, like a lot of comics, a mm. lot of books that were written off of this, um, things like that, and so that really did split off of it um they did get some awards right she um she had there was an emmy award nomination in 99 for the episode hush which we did not watch Mm. but it's one that i would mention as well because it featured an extended sequence with no dialogue
0: oh interesting there was
1: like a demon or something that made it so no one could talk
0: oh okay and
1: so everything is very physical and very emotive yeah And it it got an Emmy nod for that. Um, uh, The 2001 episode, The Body, was filmed with no musical score. Oh. Um, It was just diegetic music. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was nominated for a Nebula Award. Um, And so that was pretty good. In the end, it was nominated for an Emmy and a Golden Globes. Um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer in total won three Emmys. Which is not bad for its genre. However, a lot of people felt like the Emmy snubbed them because of the genre.
0: Because it was a teen. Yeah. yeah. Um.
1: And it re- it resulted in so much outrage from TV critics, not just viewers, hmm. that there was a decision done by the Academy that after they had gone off this... After Buffy Vampire Slayer had ended mm-hmm. in 2003... Um the Emmy Academy held a honor tribute for the series. Oh, okay. To kind of, like, acknowledge that maybe they had snubbed it. Right. And so they did kind of, like, this honor thing.
0: Yeah, Um, what's interesting to me is that in terms of, like, teen shows, from what I can kind of recall, this is one of the first... Like there were there were a few shows that were like very soapy. Like yes. Beverly Hills 90210 and later Melrose Place, which wasn't teens but was more like new adult, like early twenties, mm-hmm. right? Um but this kind of like when I say when I asked you before, was it a like it was like a seminal show for the for the WB. Yeah. And and then UPN and then eventually they merged to be the CW. Yeah. Right? The WB and, the, and UPN, or the WB and later CW, really, this is kind of like their bread and butter now. They still do this kind of teen show. There
1: would be, if it weren't for the, the to me, and I was just going to say this, if if it weren't for the success of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, there would have been no Vampire Diaries. Right. There would have been no Originals, which is a spinoff of that. Um. No Teen Wolf. None of that stuff would have been... But other stuff too,
0: Steve. Like, Dawson's Creek came after this. Yeah. A year after. Um. And once they were paired together, I think that, from what I can recall, that's when they kind of both really took off. Uh-huh. Pretty Little Liars. Yeah. Like, those are shows that kind of have this same, like, they're for teens, so they're a little bit darker. Right? And you have, like... Um, Gossip Girl, things like that where that's really what the CW is known for now and this is, I think you're right, if they hadn't had this show, first of all, I don't know that the network would have survived without this show. Right. Because even though, as you said, it was 120th, but for them it was like number one or two all the time. Because it was a smaller, newer, like, startup little network. Um, So it's kind of interesting the way that that kind of panned out. So what do we think of it?
1: Alright, well you go first because I I have strong feelings. So. I know
0: you have strong feelings about this. I okay. I'm gonna make Steve so mad, I'm sorry. Um it, having said all of that in terms of like its importance, I think that it did kind of redefine what a teenage show could be. Um is it my favorite show? No. It's not my favorite show. Am I going to go and watch more of these? No, I'm sure not. If I if I would have, Steve just threw something across the room, um, not at me, just to be kind of clear. If 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 I allowed it, Steve would like we would watch this entire series. If I were like, "Let's watch all of Buffy," you'd be like, "Okay." Yeah. And we
1: could start from day 1. I'd be like cuz we'd be better people for it. It's
0: such it, it's a lot of repetition it's it's the same as i felt about scooby doo it's just a lot, of, a lot of repetition let's go fight the monster the mo- like same old thing as yeah. she sings in the graveyard i do think um as i said i find sir michelle geller a tiny bit bland i find david Boreanaz in this show a tiny bit bland um but we didn't watch that part and it's also difficult because we are only getting two episodes is mm-hmm. like a little snippet right you know so it's okay. It's good for what it is. It's not my favorite. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a seven on this. I think it's good. It's you know it's all right. It's fun for Halloween to watch some of them, but it's not my super favorite. But Little House in the Prairie is my super favorite, and I think I only gave that like an eight.
1: Yeah, so. this is a ten. It's an you easy You didn't law. even
0: you didn't even give Quantum Leap a ten. Uh
1: it's a ten. This is life changing. I mean, I remember this is don't. This is life changing. You, I, I sat there while you spewed out terrible Stop. garbage about this. So you listen to me now. <laughs> Stop okay. it. This is a great show. It has great actors. It was impactful. It was emotional. It had monsters. It had some sci-fi added into it. It had there was a musical episode as we discussed, and it had character arc throughout the seven seasons. It spun off things. It really propelled the network, as we mentioned. It's just well done. Okay. Well done, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay.
0: Um, yeah, I no, I agree with you. I think it's interesting the way that it's genre bending, and I there are some parts of it that I like. It's just overall, it's not for me, but a lot of people love it. Right. And if you love it, you love it. And if you have never seen it, I do think that it's worth watching because you might love it. And as I said, I do think it's a great one to watch during Halloween. So if you are like, hey, you know what? I never actually watched any of Buffy. I kind of, that one bypassed me somehow. Go back and check it out. Because yeah. you, might, you might really love the show. And I would say start at the beginning. Because yeah. then you get the whole lore and the, the, the character arcs and all that. We we ended up in the middle because we've seen that part before. But mm-hmm. I would recommend to people start at the beginning. Definitely. So. So.
1: Yeah. Eight, Eight and, and a, a half, half bats, bats out, out of, of 10.
0: ten. Oh, we cut a bat in half. I don't like that.
1: Yeah, it's fine.
0: A bat and one winged bat. Mm-hmm. Um, eight and a half. That's not bad. It's not bad. Eight and a half for Buffy. Unfortunately, one out of five for the wax lips. Oh
1: goodness, yeah, those were not great. They were
0: not great. I can't. No. I can't recommend doing anything with the wax lips, but taking some funny photos.
1: Yeah. Now <laughs> we don't have a what will Steve watch because we're watching a movie next.
0: We. D- that is correct. So that will actually be coming up next. Mm-hmm. And until then, we'll we'll see you guys later. I'm Steve. I'm Megan. Have a great week everybody. Have a happy Halloween. Oh, bye-bye.